0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And we've been interviewing guests from around the world. I'm currently in Guyana, in the capital Georgetown. Unfortunately, it's a rainy day out, so I'm actually doing a lot of work and being productive as a digital nomad. (laughs) Because sometimes what happens is we focus so much on sightseeing and travel that our work gets left behind. And sometimes we work so much that uh, we don't sightsee enough. So it's definitely difficult to find that uh, happy medium between work and travel. So uh, we have the pleasure of interviewing a digital nomad who's been actually at this journey for 10 years plus. Uh, So her name is Jennifer Miller, and she's the founder of The Adventure Project. So we'll be hearing a little bit of her story. She started very similar to us uh, doing a one-year trip around the world. And 10 years later, she's still living uh, this beautiful location and independent lifestyle that a lot of us uh, dream of, fantasize about, and wish that we have. Uh, So, you know, uh, I'm uh, currently in the process of making it a reality, not just for one year, uh, but uh, uh, hopefully 10 years from now, someone will be interviewing me, asking me about how did you manage to be a digital nomad for 10 years uh, continuously. So that's what we have the pleasure of interviewing Jennifer about today. Uh, So Jennifer, do you want to do a quick intro about your background and yourself?
1: Sure. Um, as you said, my name is Jen Miller. I have been traveling pretty much full-time for about 10 years with my husband and also four children. Uh, when we started, the kids were aged 5 through 11, and we that first year we decided to ride our bicycles from London, England to Africa and back, which we did. It was the year the economy crashed, which really restructured our thought process around our jobs and our careers moving forward and the finances we had. Um, In retrospect that crash ended up being one of the better things that happened to us because it forced creativity and it was the impetus for us developing location independent careers that have allowed us to continue. Uh, And now, I'm in Canada. I spent most of this winter in Central America. My husband and sons, I was just talking to you about, um, sailed our boat from Canada to the Bahamas, and they're on their way back now. So it's a a year of different kinds of adventures, and our kids have grown up traveling. So now, two of them are gone. One is in Guatemala right now, doing an internship at a research library there. Another one works on a tall ship. Um, and the other two are in the process of of planning adventures of their own as well. So it's it's fun to have started the small kids and raised them and educated them traveling, and now see you know what that means for them as young adults.
0: Wow! Just in that uh, you know few uh, minutes, uh, there's definitely a wealth of uh, info and expertise that I'm going to be uh, finding out more about. Uh, So, Jennifer, firstly, uh, you mentioned you actually uh, went by bicycle from London to Africa. Uh, You know, that's not for the faint-hearted. I mean, uh, even to do a road (laughs) trip of any kind from London to Africa is a a difficult uh, thing. Uh, Just to travel to Africa is difficult. So to go on bicycle, I can imagine, uh, with four kids was quite the epic adventure. So maybe you can walk us through uh, or ride us through a little bit of how that journey looked like.
1: Um, Well, our our thought was that we wanted to take a year in the world with our kids as part of their educations, and so we we spent about two years preparing for that, saving money and, and learning, thinking about what we wanted to do. My husband had always had a dream of cycling across the United States. So we thought, well, we'll incorporate cycling in some way, but we'd been back and forth across the states a number of times. Um, we're a bi-national family. My husband is American. I am dual citizen but born in Canada. So our kids are dual citizens. So North America had, had been a place that we had crisscrossed a lot just you know, for family. Uh, and we wanted to take our kids further abroad, so we decided Europe was a great place to start. And I just bicycling just became um, something that we, we got interested in and we were having fun with on short trips in New England and in eastern Canada. Uh, and so we decided to take that show on the road. And traveling by bike is is great with kids because you move slowly. It forces you to interact with the world in a way that being in a vehicle doesn't, um, you know, just doesn't compare. So it was a really good way to travel with kids. It was also a really hard way to travel with kids. And when I look at the pictures now and I see how small everybody was, I think, oh, my gosh, we were out of our minds. Um, But at the time, you know, it made sense, and it worked, and you you just, you do what you want to do. And we went slow. You know, it took us a year.
0: Uh, and tell us a little bit about the journey itself. Uh, I mean, uh, London to Africa is quite the distance uh, in terms of yeah. kilometers or miles and in terms of number of countries. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about the actual route you've, you took.
1: So it, at the end of the whole trip, it was about 10,000 miles that we had cycled. We started in London. We rode up to Newcastle, took the ferry to Amsterdam, uh, rode down the North Sea through uh, the Netherlands and Belgium. And then we crossed over into Germany. Uh, we went up, down, and around Germany in not a very efficient way, but a very <laughs> thorough way. We spent quite a bit of time there. Then we cycled over into the Czech Republic, down through Austria, took the train through the Alps, because I didn't want to cycle through the Alps with kids. <laughs> uh, and then we cycled down the Adriatic coast of Italy, across through Rome, and then took the ferry from Vecchia to Tunis. And we spent the winter in Tunisia. That was pre-Arab spring, of course, so it was a very different place than it is now. And then we, in the spring, we took the ferry back to Marseille, France, and spent some time cycling in France, um, did a little bit of a, a train tour at the end through a couple of places that we'd been that we wanted to return to, and then flew back to the United States from Paris at the end of that year.
0: Um, so what were some of the challenges and uh, some of the blessings off that uh, particular trip?
1: Um, well, the, cha- the main challenge, of course, was the fact that the economy crashed, and so all of the money we were traveling on was money we had saved, and we mm-hmm. woke up one morning in Italy and found that all of our stocks were underwater, and we had essentially nothing, which you know over the long haul those are going to come back, right? But at the time, you know, you've got four kids to feed and educate and all of the things that, that go with larger family life, and so that was a little bit stressful. Um, But in the end, a good thing, because it it was what caused us to really think through what we wanted long term and to to create careers that would allow us to keep traveling. Uh, One of the, among the many blessings of that trip were just the time that we were spending with our kids. And We both have worked from home for most of their lives anyway, so we we had more than average face time with our kids just by the way we chose to live our lives even when we were stationary. Um, But traveling intensively with children, as you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. forces interaction, and you're learning together in a way that you might not be otherwise. Um, So that was fun to watch them grow and and interact with the world. You see the world in a different way through your kids' eyes. Uh, And then just, you know, the fun of the people that we met along the way. Um, It's ten years later, it still amazes me the ways in which the people we met at the beginning of that first journey still impact our lives. Um, probably the best and most interesting example is that my daughter, who is about to be 21, uh, her partner is a kid that we met when they were 10 and 11 cycling Germany. <laughs> and You know, he's just grown into our family and they, you know, they're taking off uh, this year to, to go back to Europe to, to study and work together um, and have traveled and done some other things. So you just never know when you take out on one of those journeys who you're going to meet that's going to change your life. And to me, that's the very best part of travel.
0: Absolutely. The people you meet, definitely. And it uh, looks like you yeah. caught a little bit of the travel bug in a good way during that one year. And uh, you didn't stop. I mean, you, you here you are 10 years later, uh, uh, still uh, being a digital nomad. So tell us a little bit about those 10 years. I mean, uh, what have you uh, done since that uh, uh, trip across Europe into Africa in terms of travel and uh, in terms of uh, – Generating online income.
1: Um, well, travel—we've touched all the continents but Antarctica in various ways. Um, lived in Southeast Asia for a while. Camper van through New Zealand and Australia. Uh, we've been back and forth across the states and Canada a number of times. Down into Central America. We live in Guatemala part of the time. Um, yeah. So there's a, yeah, and we've had you know it, it's not just our collective family adventures, but each individual family member also does a lot of adventuring on their own. So. You know, we've, we've been off doing individual things as well, which is fun. Uh, as far as the, the income aspect, which is what everybody wants to know, right? Like how do you afford to live this way? Um, exactly. As you know, as you know traveling full time can be as affordable or more affordable than a stationary lifestyle and that was something that we yes. were surprised to discover early on because we expected that it would be much more expensive than it actually is. Um, but then, you know, creating a location-independent career. If you can find a way to make actual career-type money while traveling, then you, know, you, you win the game because if you can be anywhere, then you can be anywhere. And maybe that's at home, really investing in a community deeply that matters to you, and maybe that's abroad. But the ability to make those choices and shifts quickly Uh, to me is is a huge blessing because it allows us to show up for the people in our communities around the world in ways that really matter that we wouldn't have the freedom to do if we were tied to a location based job. So what we do to do that, um, my husband is a database designer. So he um, creates and designs databases for big companies in the United States, does some iOS programming. Uh, And is also an inventor, so he's working on something right now with a group of people we met traveling, actually, that we hope will revolutionize and democratize the coffee industry. Um, And I am a travel writer and editor, so I have a couple of projects on the go that that, uh, involve creating content at the intersection of education and adventure um, for companies and nonprofits online.
0: I definitely want to dive deeper into that part of your business. So, uh, um, uh, you know, part of the reason we as parents travel is uh, for the sightseeing and for the cultures, the food, etc. But but primarily it's for educating our kids, not through traditional um, textbook education, but through uh, world schooling, unschooling, road schooling, if you will. Uh, So tell us a little bit about that project itself that you developed.
1: Uh, Oh, you mean for the education of our particular children?
0: Uh, Oh, uh, I mean, you have a project called uh, Adventure Project, and uh, also you touched on the (laughs) fact that you help other companies with education and and adventure as well. So, If you can touch on those two elements.
1: Sure. Um, Adventure Project is, is just our family's blog, which I started years ago so that, you know, The grandparents wouldn't uh, freak out when they didn't hear from us. My family traveled a lot when I was growing up. Uh, My parents took me out of school two different years than we traveled, so they weren't too concerned, but Tony doesn't come from a family of of travelers, and so it was a big deal for us to take their kids, their precious grandchildren, off into the world, and so that's how the Adventure Project started, Um, and it just chronicles our family journey and the educational process of our own individual children, um, which might not is interesting overall to to everyone because there's not one way to do it, you know, just because we did it a particular way doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that it's going to be suitable for everyone. Um, What I do professionally in that arena is I work in a number of ways to create educational opportunities and funding for students who are wanting to take a gap year. So through the Travel Access Project, which is a nonprofit that my friend Sean Keener and I have formed uh, around the goal of getting a gap year on every resume. We're providing grants for gap year travel for young people and also free educational resources that anyone can use that are open source. Uh, which we hope will encompass every country in the world eventually, but that's a big goal. So right now we've got, you know, 20 countries perhaps that are that are m- the most obvious ones for travelers covered uh, with educational resources that families or gap year students or business people could use. Um, and then I work for Tortuga Backpacks, which is, in my opinion, the best backpack for urban travel. I got to help you design see. it, so I'm more than a little biased. Oh. But I found I found this company because uh, the CEO came to an unconference that I was at, and I fell in love with his bag. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been living on the road for seven years. Where has this been my whole life? <laughs> and so that's how I ended up uh, working with them. But I run two publications for them that are centered around um, – Urban travel and packing, and uh, also the digital nomad community. We're coming out with a new set of bags actually next month that are specifically for digital nomads. So that's kind of exciting getting to test and develop those.
0: Well, we got to plug it away on the, podcast. Uh, away on our the podcast. Our friends <laughs> and uh, fellow <laughs> podcast, uh, Travis, uh, Travis Sherry from Nextro Packing oh, yeah. and also Jason yeah. Moore from Zero to Travel, they keep talking about Tortuga. I particularly haven't used them yet, so uh, 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 definitely uh, once you launch your Digital Nomad uh, uh, packs, uh, let us know and we'd love to uh, pump it out there across the internet.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll definitely do that. Yeah, Travis is great. He was at that same on-conference where I met Fred. um, So yeah, he's he's a friend as well.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, the podcast community and the digital nomad and the traveling community seems to be a lot smaller uh, than you think it is. Even though we're spread globally across continents and countries and time zones, uh, the people who are kind of like, um, you know, really passionate about it and helping others, we're a very very tight-knit community on uh, social media, on iTunes, on uh, YouTube, etc., So tell us about the Travel Access Project, uh, Jennifer. I mean, uh, a lot of us have done gap years. I mean, I did one um, uh, middle of university. I went to uh, Europe, and I I did a working holiday visa. Uh, After uh, university, I went to Japan to learn English. So those were gap years for me. Uh, Tell us about how you make that possible for other people.
1: Well, one of the... our, our central focus and our, you know, the theme, the drum we keep beating is: we'd like to get a gap here on every resume. As somebody who's taken to, you understand the ways in which it, it changes the way you think about the world and it changes yes. the course of your career path. And it's our, you know. I, I get mired down a lot in all of the things that are wrong with the world, you know, politically right now, particularly as a dual national person, what's happening in America is killing me. Um, you travel a lot. You see a lot of really difficult things as you travel, both politically and socially and related to poverty. And it's really easy to get stuck in this mindset of like, how can I, you know, I'm just one person. What can I possibly do? You know, throwing money at it doesn't always seem to be the answer. And you just think like, how, how, how can we get to the roots of this and fix it? And it's occurred to me as we've as we've cycled and walked and, and just boated around and tried to figure out our place in the world that one of the ways, maybe the, maybe the only way that these kinds of things are actually changed is through education. Um, you know, the root causes of poverty are almost always addressed by educational opportunities that then allow people to solve their own problems and build their own solutions. And and it occurred to me that by getting young people traveling before they are mired down in all of the things that mire us down by our mid-30s, um, you you head off some of those midlife like, oh my gosh, what did I do with my life questions, um, and you, you have a chance to change the way they think. And if you can change the way someone thinks, if you can educate them about the world, about other communities, then you also by default are changing the way they vote, you're changing the way they spend their money, you're changing the way they raise their children, you're changing the way they think about education and the way they build community. And so to us, it feels like the best chance at really changing the world 20 years on, 30 years on, 100 years on, is to change the educational process, to create global citizenship by connecting students with communities outside of their own. Um, I was amused the other day to see uh, something on Facebook that said uh, that, of the Americans, you know, worrying about the diplomacy issue that we're having with North Korea, the Americans that could find North Korea on a map, <laughs> they were also the same people that, that um, favored diplomacy instead of, you know, warmongering. And I thought, yeah. that boy, that gets right at it. You know, when you go to a place and you connect eyeball to eyeball with somebody, they're then your people. Yes. And so you're going to react differently in those relationships. And so that is the motivation for us with Travel Access Project. We want to create opportunities for young people to connect with their world educationally in the hopes that it's going to change the way that they choose to to live their lives, Um, which I know sounds like a long answer. I'm sorry for (laughs) not making it more concise. But we're doing that actively through creating educational materials and then also through creating grants for Gap Year Travel. We're giving away $10,000, $3,000 $10, three thousand dollar g- grants this spring to fund wow. this for kids because the biggest obstacle as I'm also sure you're aware is finances for yes. kids you know it, yes. it's expensive and there's a level of privilege involved with gap years right now that we would love to see dissolve mm. um, and this is one way to do that
0: yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, and yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, the gap, uh, you know, yeah, gap year is uh, definitely a travel blog. I haven't done uh, a yeah. I trip I uh, across uh, Europe to Africa, Africa, Africa yet. Uh, but these gap years <laughs> in uh, Europe and also in Asia, and also I did uh, kind of a gap year study abroad in Australia, I definitely shaped who I am. Oh, cool. in yeah. In many ways. So, uh, Good on you for what you're doing, Jennifer. So, I mean, you, you've obviously uh, done a lot in the travel industry uh, and also traveling yourself. Uh, what's next? Uh, what do you see the future hold for you yourself, uh, the travel industry as a whole? Um, yeah, what's your vision going forward? Uh-huh.
1: Well, one of the fun things for me right now is that I all of a sudden I have some time on my hands. You know, my kids are growing up and out, so I'm not as involved in their day-to-day educations as I was for a decade and a half as they were young. So I'm actively looking for ways to contribute to the travel community at the intersection of education and adventure. And so one of the things that I'm working on is the Family Adventure Summit, which I'm not sure if you are aware of or have been invited to, but it's in your backyard. Yeah. It's in Penticton, B.C. Yes, yes I'm uh, familiar with it. Yeah, so that's I'm on the organizing committee for that, and we'll be a keynote speaker there talking about the ways in which we can create exactly what you're working on, digital nomad lifestyles for families, um, addressing world schooling. So I'm working in that arena, uh, working with the American Gap Association and Travel Access Project, of course, to continue um, the Gap Year movement and to to create opportunity for young people there. Um, And then, you know, my husband and I were talking about this just the other day, you know, what our next big adventures are. I've got a number that I would like to pursue. I walked across Spain a couple of years ago by myself on the Camino de Santiago, and I really loved that. It was a, a nine hundred kilometer walk that took me about six weeks, and so I'm thinking about doing, you know, a long haul walk maybe in Asia somewhere. Um, of course, Nepal is is a classic, but I was also thinking it would be fun to walk a section of the Great Wall of China, maybe. Um, yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, It's fun to have all of the options. We regularly talk about the most difficult thing about truly becoming location independent and figuring out career type money while traveling is that then you have all of the choices. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's hard sometimes to decide what you want to do next when you really could live anywhere and do just about anything you wanted to do.
0: Yeah, definitely the options are limitless. I mean, uh, part of when we're interviewing yeah. all these guests, uh, we've done about 25 uh, interviews, and uh, I really see the, the breadth of the different options, everything from uh, teaching English online to doing social media marketing, yeah. web design, graphic design. So uh, people, are aff- uh, you know, uh, people are doing affiliate marketing. You know, People are doing video marketing, travel blogging, uh, YouTube <laughs> ad revenue. Uh, really, I could go on and on and on and on, because really, the, the options are endless. So um, you, you pretty much have to choose and focus, which is obviously our difficulty as entrepreneurs is to focus yep. <laughs> because shiny object syndrome, shiny object syndrome, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But once you find your thing, you know, then, it, then it, you can live and work anywhere. You really can be anywhere and do anything. And um, yeah, it, yeah. It, to me, that's fun. That's the adventure. I love the constant serendipity and the, the options to work on the things that we're passionate about.
0: Absolutely, and I'm glad you found your passion with uh, education and adventure, the adventure uh, I like the little combination of words as well. <laughs> so uh, you've obviously uh, uh, you know, been doing this for 10 years. Uh, there are a lot of our viewers on YouTube and also our listeners on iTunes who haven't even begun. Uh, they may be in their bedroom uh, or they're uh, driving in the rush hour listening to this podcast and they're wondering, oh, you know, uh, these guys are so lucky. They have done it. How can I? So, what tips, advice uh, would you give to someone who's thinking of doing something like what I'm doing and what you have done?
1: Um, my advice would be a little different, probably, than than I expect some of what your other interviewers would um, would say, because I read a lot in the digital community, so I I err digital nomad community rather. So I know that there's a lot of you know just get out there and do it kind of advice. Which there's an element of that that's true. However, I don't think luck has Luck has very little to do uh, with where we are in our lives, regardless of what our what our choices are now, the amount of privilege we're born with—that is—that has a huge effect, and that you know—that is luck to some people's way of thinking. But there's also an awful lot of it that is, is self-determined. And the to become a digital nomad to begin with assumes a certain level of privilege, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. And this is not a lifestyle that's open to every single person. I wish it was. I'm into expanding opportunity in that way. Um, but right now, if you if this is an option for you, there are reasons for that, and that there's privilege involved there. Um, I also think that the general advice to just jump out there and do it, quit your job and travel the world, tends to be not great advice. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of burnout in the digital nomad community. There are n- tons of people, and you know I've watched this for years, who will jump in and do this for a year or two, and they travel at this breakneck pace, and they blog, and they Instagram their beautiful lives, and everybody thinks they're fantastic. But you know I've sat in rooms with some of these people that, that you would know, because their names are out there, who've literally cried saying that they're exhausted and that they're living on $15,000 a year mm-hmm. and they're barely making it. But their lives look fantastic online, and so they feel like there's this image they have to keep up with. Um, that's disingenuous in terms of the marketing of the digital nomad lifestyle, and that's something that bothers me a great deal. As somebody who's been at it for a while, I, I think that there needs to be more transparency and more truth in advertising. Uh, statistically, what digital nomads make uh, would be considered the poverty level in a lot of places. You know, you, you'll meet people uh-huh. who are living in Southeast Asia on $15,000, and it looks like they're living like kings, but if you look at their bank accounts, it, it's not there. Um, in my opinion, if you are an adult person, especially with children who is is looking to, to really make a lifestyle change here, then you have to take into account the responsibility we have long term not to become a burden on our communities later, to save for retirement, to fund our kids' education now and later, because you know, I've got... Two that are university age now, and I will have two more that are university age soon. And so I think there's a lot of value in my uncle Dick would have called it the seven P's proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Um, and I really encourage people to step back and to take an incrementalist approach to making this leap to digital nomadism so that so that you're not adjusting to every single thing at once. It's not as stressful as it could be. You test and determine your your financial income stream paths in advance so that you're not stuck at a point where, you know, your ass is hanging in the wind and and there's real risk to other people. Because the idea that we can just go do this thing of digital nomadism without an impact on our greater community uh, is short-sighted. And for people who don't plan properly and who end up back on their parents' couch, that's a problem. So I I would encourage people to really not look at this as an escape from their lives, but as something that they want to build into their lives as a sustainable part of their career. And when you look at it that way, you plan for things very differently. Um, And you can expect to make, you know, good money, career money as a digital nomad, but you're not probably going to be doing that blogging and with affiliate marketing. Like very, very few of the digital nomads are really making grown-up money that way. Um, so, you know, I would recommend taking the skill set that you have and intentionally building your career over the long haul, uh, in this direction so that the, so that the freedom is sustainable, you know, so that you can still be doing it five years, 10 years on.
0: Yeah. You brought up so yeah, much, up- uh, um, you know, um, um, food for thought, if you want to, call it, that. Want to call it that, especially the uh, area, especially of, uh, area of uh, social media versus the reality <laughs> of the on the road. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. uh, before this interview, my uh, son had a big tantrum, and uh, uh, you know, I got angry at him. <laughs> I said, uh, Daddy has to do this interview, and uh, uh, you know, like, uh, got angry at the hotel uh, just, uh, yesterday because uh, our AC wasn't working and uh, on in the road, and yeah, uh, getting people to speak just English, how hard it is. And, uh, yep pardon me
1: people discount how many struggles that they're going to be you know they, they see these images online they read people's blogs which have you know been written edited and curated for a particular brand that that person is cultivating and that's often not the reality of life on the road particularly with children and yeah so uh, you know just taking a more realistic incrementalist approach and also you know the other thing that helps immensely is having income streams that are actually real money that that you know if you're having a terrible day you can opt out into something nicer you know your money can can buy you a little bit of comfort and a little bit of freedom and that kind of thing and if you're if you're barely making it on $500 a month for six people then you know your options are limited and you're going to have a much more miserable experience so I, which is another reason that i recommend people step back a bit in advance of taking that leap and plan properly
0: and uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, most of the guests are giving the Nike advice, right? They just do it, mm-hmm. uh, slogan advice. Yeah, uh, they I are. mean, obviously, I, like, with anyone. Yeah. Go on, go on.
1: I was going to say, yeah, they are. And, and I also, like, I, I believe you should do it, you know? And I believe that most people can do it if they're willing to figure it out. There are a lot of obstacles, and, and for certain people, there are more obstacles than others. Um, and I do think you should just do it, but I don't think that you should just take the leap without, you know, without adhering to the seven Ps, without thinking it through, particularly if you have children. Um, and it's one thing if it's a one-year or two-year thing, then you can take a lot more risks. But if it's, this is your life plan, if you want to create a new career out of this, then, you know, you have to expect to put in, put in your 10,000 hours um, up front to become a professional, to become an expert at that kind of thing
0: yeah and it's definitely not easy. It's a, it's a challenge why we grow more gray hairs when we're on the road because it's definitely it it's stressful not, as well it's,
1: it's much harder than working for somebody else, absolutely um because you're responsible for every single thing and yeah yeah, and you're taking on the responsibility of your kids' education too, all the things that you would outsource in a normal life you're not outsourcing as a digital nomad necessarily yeah and i I just wish people yeah, would weigh so, those costs a little bit more. I think
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, like uh, for this trip, we planned uh, at least two years in advance. Uh, the last year was yeah. a really hectic year where we were uh, selling our stuff and we were figuring out the yeah. finances and planning, yeah. getting the vaccinations, figuring out yeah. what to, do, uh, you know, uh, working. So it's definitely a lot of planning involved, and I'm glad <laughs> that that is a podcast, and so she did interview one uh, guest after interview where we interviewed her while she's still back in Alberta, um, Canada. Uh, and then we're going to interview her when she's on the road about her travel prep and also uh, now the reality when she's prepped and when she's on the road. Right.
1: So, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting.
0: It's been an incredible interview and uh, I definitely want to have a, a follow on uh, these different uh, subjects. So an uh, interview, it's like at least uh, 20 different topics on this, uh, you know, 30, 40 minutes <laughs> so far. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jennifer, if people wanted to find out more about what you do, about your travel blog, about the adventure uh, projects, about the uh, travel access project, et cetera, et cetera, uh, what are all the different ways that people can connect with you, Jennifer?
1: Um, Well, they could send me an email, first of all. My email address is adventuremama at gmail.com, and I'm happy for you to share that with people. Uh, I do get a lot of email from people asking for help and logistical assistance in planning trips, but also in educating kids. My degree is in education. My kids have never been to school, K through university, uh, and, you know, and entered university successfully. So I mean, I can talk for hours about that process as well, how to, how to make a a legitimate education out of a world schooling experience in such a way that you can get into one of the top universities if you want to. Um, So that's one thing. Travelaccessproject.org is um, the educational resources, which I hope that you and your family can use and that other families will use and share. Uh, we just closed the applications for the first round of scholarships, but if you get on our mailing list, there will be more. It's going to be an annual thing. We gave away ten this year. We hope to give away fifty next year. We'd love to be giving away a thousand in a few years, um, and I'd love to talk to you more about that and how we're planning to fund that. And the uh, Travis from Extra Pack of Peanuts, he's he's helping us with that, which is really cool. He'll be funding. Yeah, I know through the Paradise
0: Pack, right? Paradise Pack. Yeah,
1: we're we're super excited about yeah he's it's a, yeah he's amazing. He's a really great guy. I'm excited about that. Um, And then of course Tortuga Backpacks, anybody who is taking out to travel long term uh, and specifically as a digital nomad, I kid you not, it is the best backpack for urban travel. It was a privilege to get to participate in the design and testing of them. The Outbreaker 45 is my my favorite carry-on size backpack. It's your office in your bag in one. Uh, So that is well worth your time in terms of resources. And I don't plug resources often because I don't believe in stuff. But you're, you live out of your bag, and it's kind of the one thing that matters consistently. <laughs> so I would get that. Um, yeah, but just shoot me an email about whatever, whatever the thing is, and I'd love to connect, and I'd love to talk. The people are my favorite part of this life.
0: And uh, you know, uh, people like Jennifer who have been on it uh, you know, for, uh, for 10 years plus, are uh, definitely the kind of people who want to give back to support uh, Make a Difference, because they have seen it firsthand and experienced it firsthand how difficult the ups and downs are, the emotional reality of uh, life on the road, uh, the challenges of being married and raising kids on the road, uh, and coming through uh, happily on the uh, other end. (laughs)
1: Let me know how I can help. And come to the Family Adventure (laughs) Summit.
0: There you go. Who knows? If, I, if I'm ba- ever back in Canada, we would love to come to there. Right now, we're still uh, going to yeah. be in South America for the next uh, uh, six months or so. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, we don't know what life will hold. But uh, we know we have, there's a lot of the world still to see. And we want to yes. conquer it all. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jennifer. Uh, yeah, thank you, Jennifer. And thank you, listeners. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, leave us a rating review on iTunes. Uh, follow us on social media. And ask us some questions. I mean, we covered a lot of topics today. Uh, give us some feedback on what your opinions of uh, all these things are or if you have any follow-up questions, and I'll make sure I pass them on to Jennifer for her to answer. So thanks, everyone. Uh, make sure you uh, um, uh, you know uh, make your travel dreams come true as well. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.